Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today's episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast is presented by SoundStop. Check out these amazing quality headphones at soundstop.co. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And recovering from another interesting Raiders draft I am Nick Severi oh man that is getting chopped out for sure folks I mean <laughs> we are both feeling the Raiders draft of, of oh man I'm optimist anyway. it was a better uh, one anyway yeah it wasn't that bad but uh Nick my friend haven't talked to you it feels like in a while because uh, I've been moving back to New York City how are you sir I'm good man I uh we have not moved obviously we are still in East in Pennsylvania life is good man my parents are coming off and more often they're coming this weekend so um just just living living the life enjoying the nice weather and all is well family how about you how how goes well not even how goes you're back in new york now what's it feel like back in the city getting into florida yeah you know it feels like we were gone for a long weekend um a 13 month weekend so (laughs) that's funny enough but um very excited to be back in the city uh even as i'm recording right now you, you may even hear some sights and sounds from the the big apple because of where i record um, so apologies for that, but, um, Nick, uh, you know, first off, I wanted to say for the people that watch us, listen to us, we are so appreciative of the support you have given us. Um, thank you to all the watchers and listeners out there. Like I mentioned, thousands of views on YouTube, you know, the thousands of listeners that are listening to this podcast now, whatever podcast platform you're using. We appreciate it. If you want more bonus content from this program, uh, you want some show merchandise, you want to do some fan generated topics that Nick and I discuss over on Patreon, head to our show notes or or the series notes and you can click on our Patreon link 
Uh, or you can just type in Can We Please Talk Podcast at Patreon and we should come right up. And you'll see all of the bonus content, some of, some from our guests and interviews that we've done there. Uh, everybody from Michael Eric Dyson to Clinton Sparks, the famed Grammy-nominated music producer. So check out all that bonus content there. Nick, um, you know, I just thought it was so interesting because, uh, I mean, and you tell me if you've gotten this, but I've gotten it from not only a few watchers and listeners of the program, emails from from, from some of the fans, just some of the topics and the emotions that, that it uh, ranges. You know, we just recently did the the, uh, the Texas episode talking about all the happenings in the state of Texas and the mass shooting that was happening there, Matthew McConaughey thinking of running for governor. And we had Jessica Coggins on, check out her work at texassignal.com. And instantly after that, you know, I've got a couple people hitting me up, you know, sending me stuff on, hey, why are you bashing Ted Cruz? Why are you doing this? You know, and it's, <laughs> it's just funny how some of the episodes elicit one set of emotion, you know, because we bring people on this program to learn more about the state. And I thought Jessica did a great job because Jessica was really giving us not so much her take, but she's entrenched in the state, specifically local politics there. So she knows a lot of what's going on in the state. And, you know, Ted Cruz is a state senator. So, you know, look what happened with, you know, when when the winter storm happened, you know, he tried to leave the country, you know, Republicans and Democrats. You're you're being nice to those who've written to you about this stuff. Correct. He he up and left. He up and left. And, you know, if you're asking me who's more informed on Texan poli- on Texas politics, I'm going to say Jessica easily. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I think even Ted Cruz's constituents would say that as well as, as recent polling has shown, you know, like, and I know he keeps getting reelected there, but um, recent polling has shown a lot of people were so opposed to him leaving, you know, just the optics of it. Right. So I just thought it was funny because I get uh, people sending me notes, emails, things like that about the show. And it's always one about the episode or about the guest, uh, two, something that they didn't know or didn't learn, or three, just their hot take on something. Whereas opposed to, and we've mentioned this a bunch of times, we try to inject fact into this stuff. And that's why we've had people on, uh, not so much, it's not about the political side of the out, it's more about the factual side, okay? <laughs> like this is somebody who's entrenched in, Mike Emanuel, entrenched in DC politics and meeting with lawmakers daily to get stories and report on it. Same thing with Jessica in the local politics. So I just thought that was funny. Have you had any type of experiences like that with some fan engagement or people, you know, hey, you know what, you guys should do this topic. And it's always like, oh, should we do that topic? That's great. I've gotten, <laughs> I, I, on the rare occasion, I will get the, oh, you know, you should have this person on or, you know, I could always come on. And that's always something to navigate because you're trying to figure out, you know, you come back to like what our show is about, you know, about being informed, bringing on informed people. And so I'm first and foremost, whether I agree or disagree with someone's opinion that someone took time, took the time to contact us means a lot. So I, I come from a place of gratitude here. Um, So I do get it. I do get it from fans of the show, um, friends of mine who've listened to it, um, just stuff through social media. So yeah, but what I would say is to anyone who you know brings up, well, why don't you talk about this or talk about that? You know, a, again, thank you for the engagement. B, find something on our show that is considered a lie, falsehood, inaccuracy, whatever you want to call it. You're not going to find it. Uh, we we make it a rule on this program to talk to only informed people, uh, regardless of political persuasion. I go back to what Mike Emanuel had said, and again from Fox, right that. 
he prides himself in not knowing his political affiliation. And I would say the same thing for you and I, you know, we don't really get into where we, where we lean politically because for us, it's about talking to people who know what they're talking about, but what they have to say is interesting. Um, it's a great payoff when they're a well-known person, like in the case of Dr. Michael Eric Dyson or Professor Eric Foner. Um, that's always an added payoff game to talk to people in the know that people know. Um, but it's always about, it's a rule for us, informed, uh, entertaining, um, factual. I think those are the, those are the big tenets for us. No, you're right. And you hit on a bunch of things there, but it's true. You know, I, I, we could easily, and I've told you this off air a bunch of times, we could name this podcast America first and we could have millions of downloads and you and I could give hot takes that are so one way and you and I, it would be disingenuous. We don't feel that way. Uh, we're not cut from that cloth. And also we're both educated guys and, and similar to what Mike Emanuel said on this program, Naveed Jamali has said on this program, Sabrina Rodriguez has said on this program, news judgment, right? It's, it's a huge thing that people lack because they're lazy. Because they, and, they, and, I, and I use lazy not to define them, but it, it, their search habits, right? I just want to watch one guy. He's on at eight o'clock at Fox News. And whatever that guy says, I take as gospel, right? And so then what happens is, is like, you can't, you can't send me a Fox News article. You, you just can't do it because I worked there for years. You, you can't send me a Fox News article. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be like sending my mechanic, like, hey, look, I found this part cheaper at AutoZone. Hey, man, shut up. Like, you know, like, so I can't, I can't take that um, as serious because I know how, you know, the sausage is made over there. So, um, but I, I do, like I said, and you've mentioned this, I do appreciate everyone's feedback. I think that's, it's super, um, constructive for us. And we we take that into account, especially uh, we've had a few people recommend different topics and guests. And we've had those people on a lot of the show recommendations have come from, you know, friends and family are always, you know, the most critical at first, and then it kind of gets into as you start growing your audience. So um, but I, I just thought that that was funny, because I wanted to bring that up before we dive into, you know, our show for tonight. But um, that it was just it was it was crazy to me because you know at, at a certain point when you start to accumulate more listeners and more watchers of the program and now all of a sudden now the the feedback trickles in right the comments are on itunes like so people are listening to the show and everyone's got an opinion right and so um i just thought that that was it was fantastic to get that feedback and then i have to step back and go well, wait a minute, we actually didn't talk about Ted Cruz on the free edition. So if you listen to it on Patreon, appreciate that. But what we tried to talk about was more of what's happening at the grassroots level in the state, right? And then also, you know, the Matthew McConaughey stuff is super interesting, because here's another actor that's actually trying his hand, whereas opposed to Governor Schwarzenegger was part of the recall in 2003. So it's a little bit different, right? But um, but it's a perfect segue for us because you just mentioned about how we really don't have any political leanings. So today we're going to talk about a couple of different topics. No guests for today. Uh, we're going to can that and we're going to have a guest potentially next week. So for this episode, we're really going to talk about uh, what's happening, uh, especially there's a bunch of headlines that have been made. President Biden completing his 100 days in office. Uh, so we wanted to dive in a little bit from his speech and kind of hit on some of the key points. So I want to play a clip, Nick, from the speech that he talked about specifically with respect to COVID-19 and vaccinations. Today, 90% of Americans now live within five miles of a vaccination site. 
everyone over the age of 16, everyone is now eligible to get vaccinated right now, right away. Go get vaccinated, America. Go and get the vaccination. They're available. So President Biden there saying that everyone's now eligible over the age of 16. Uh, Nick, I know you have some strong thoughts on getting vaccinated. Obviously, you've been vaccinated. I already have my first shot. I'm the second one in, in a couple of weeks. So and your wife is a doctor. Um, President Biden's message, how will it be received? We've seen some recent news coming out about how a lot of people are, are very hesitant to take the vaccine. I know people in my own family that are mainly based on you know the science around it that there's not enough data because of how fast it's rolled to market but your thoughts on on what's going on there okay that that side comes from a place of exhaustion in the sense that the first off the the no data part or the lack of data is a is a is a flawed argument in the sense that we've had clinical trials you know, I think oftentimes, um, and for a long time now, we've gotten into telling ourselves certain stories about um, big pharma, quote unquote, and and the concerns about, well, you know, if this is being pushed out so quickly uh, from these large pharmaceutical companies, we should be suspect. It's nonsense. First and foremost, as a capitalist country, understand that if you are the company that pushes forward a vaccine, especially for the you know COVID-19, and something goes wrong. And we just saw it actually with Johnson Johnson, you know, six out of a million vaccine vaccinations given, you know, produce blood clots. And as a result, Johnson Johnson rightfully held off, or at least they were recommended to by the CDC, if I remember correctly. And there was a pause. There was a pause in taking that one shot vaccine simply because six out of a million doses something came up from that. So the, you know, let's wait and see argument. I have a lot of problems with, um, you know, for me, I, I've trusted the science. I always have. You know, my pre, my problem with pre, the previous administration was while I appreciated eventually the push to get a vaccine, to get vaccines out there, it came way too slow. And federally, we didn't mobilize in a way that we have, you know, during World War II, for example, you know, post you know, Pearl Harbor. And there was a reluctancy to try to mobilize as a nation. And I think that hesitancy, A, cost you know someone a presidency but b it put us in a situation where we realize that we have to remind ourselves that we are a nation <laughs> you know fed, federally first and foremost we got to protect our people so as these vaccines are being put out there and the testing rates are telling us it's making a difference uh, i have a i have a huge problem with the argument of well i don't know it's, it's all tell me it tells me that you're not reading the accurate things. It tells me that you're willing to put yourself out there in, in a risk. And we're seeing variants of it in Brazil in, in particular, what we're seeing in India, what we're seeing. So as a country, I'm very proud of the fact as an American that we are in a place where the growing percentage of people vaccinated keeps growing every day. Uh, and we're finally you know, turning the tide with combating this vaccine that, you know, for the past now soon to be 14 months, actually, has absolutely crippled the economy. It's crippled, um, you know, what we defined as school. I'm, I'm a father to a kindergarten who's never stepped foot in a classroom, a physical classroom. So I've seen firsthand the effects of it, an opportunity to mitigate those effects and an opportunity to make sure we are all vaccinated. I think we move forward. Um, I can't say that passionately enough. If you're listening to the show, at least from where I stand, 
you got to get the shots. You got to get the shots. You got to make it, you got to help us all move on. It's why we all wear masks to get to this place because it's important to make sure that we're doing what's right for everyone else. And the science is proven. The vaccine makes a difference. I'm extremely pleased with how the Biden administration, you know, really took the baton from the previous administration. And I say that again, politics aside, you know, we were in a better position by the, by the fall of 2020, but we should have been there earlier. But you know, with the new administration in, there's just been more of a better plan in place to disseminate the, the vaccine. And again, it's also a matter of states. You know, you were in Florida, you've moved back to New York, Mike, you've seen actually how these states are operating differently with, vac- with access to the vaccine. I've been in Pennsylvania this whole time and very fortunate to have gone through a pretty streamlined process to access the vaccine. My parents in New Jersey waited a long time and finally were able to have access to it. Um, so I'm, I'm really proud. Of where, of where this president is, where this administration is. Uh, and I say that not as a Democrat or a Republican, but as an American. You know, I want to touch on a bunch of things there. First of all, you said combating the vaccine, combating the virus. I don't want people to think we're trying to combat the vaccine. <laughs> Thank um, you for getting that. Um, on our second episode that we did on COVID-19, we taught, you brought up a great point that this is like World War II when we talked about rations, right? Where people... Uh, all gathered together and there was advertising around, hey, look out for your fellow Americans by rationing, right? That is gone from this current United States of America. And I think that this pandemic has proven that. So I'm not shocked that people are hesitant or people that get vaccinated don't understand the, the the simple things of wearing a mask, even though you're vaccinated. I got the half, I, you know, I got my first shot, my second shot's upcoming. I will still wear a mask in public because this has always been not about me, about somebody else that this can affect, right? Like my friend's mother who passed away with this at the age of 60 or my friend's grandmother who passed away at the age of 89. So like, I think that concept has been proven out during this pandemic that people just don't care about each other. They just don't want to say it out loud. They don't care about each other. It's sad to say, folks. Um, but it is the truth. When you look at, you've seen the viral videos of people refusing to wear masks in storefronts. Um, and then that the essential workers that are in there that are underpaid now have to deal with somebody that potentially doesn't want to put on a mask and put themselves at risk. So we've seen all of those YouTube videos, you know, going viral everywhere on social media back in the fall. Now the vaccine has rolled out thanks to the, you know, the Trump administration, obviously, for escalating this. And now the Biden administration for actually administering a plan. Both things can be true, folks. You, you just said it right there, Nick. Take the politics out of it, right? The, the Trump administration did get this vaccine to market, you know, faster than, than average. Great. They had no plan to administer it, but they got it out to market. And now the Biden administration has put in a plan to administer it. Both things can be true. And, and that's the problem. We get down to this. This is why we wanted to have this type of episode today, where we just wanted to talk about the sensibilities of, you know, um, what it is to be an American and look out for your fellow American. Like, th- th- it's not that hard. I'm getting vaccinated because my mother has diabetes. My stepmother has diabetes. Like other people that are at high risk have that, whereas I've, I have no mitigating factors due to my health. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked that people are hesitating to get vaccinated, right? 
I, because of what happened in the fall and the lead ups to this and the shutdowns and the reopenings, and now, you know, we were talking about the NFL draft, you and I over text, and they were at capacity in Cleveland outdoor and a lot of people had masks and you posted something as to why people were out there because they all had their PCR test or, or, or their vaccine cards. And somebody was like, oh, well, they should be fully reopened. You don't got to wear a mask. It's like even that simplest comment on Twitter all of a sudden gets down the rabbit hole of people that are on both sides of it. So I'm not shocked that people are hesitating, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the Biden administration for going out there. And at least from a public official standpoint, saying, go get vaccinated, folks. It's going to help you and it may save the life of someone else, not just you. So very happy about that. Um, Biden's first 100 days, um, there's a lot to talk about what has happened in the last 100 days. I never understood, by the way, why 100 days is the marker. I know there is a reason behind it. But um, in the first 100 days, we've had so much happen in in the U.S. Um, all these mass shootings that have happened over the last couple months, we're going to get to that in our next segment. Um, and then obviously, the vaccine rollout, what has stood out to you uh, from the administration uh, in Biden's first 100 days? And I don't, I don't even want to get into the immigration stuff because we, we will be talking about the immigration crisis at the border in a couple of weeks with uh, Sabrina Rodriguez from Politico. But what has stood out in Biden's first 100 days to you? You know, I, I equate what President Biden walked into to what we saw in the in the early 30s with the Great Depression. Obviously, I wasn't born in that period. Um, but what we saw at the time, and you can even make this argument to some extent with what we saw in the um, you know, the election of 1980, you know, when Reagan won, you know, it was a time that the US was coming out of a of a really difficult situation. Um, of, of the three I just named, <laughs> you know, the pandemic and in the 80s, and obviously the depression, you know, Reagan, that situation falls a lot, you know, is not as serious. Um, but the Great Depression, you know, we, when we think about what we've always read in our history books, speaks to the fact that, you know, economically the U.S. collapsed. Um, a president comes in and, the, you know, and obviously, in, you know, Franklin Roosevelt, and immediately the first hundred days is your opportunity to get things off the ground. Some of which of those things are still in place today, like Social Security, for example. So it's a rallying cry for an administration to come in and immediately lay down a plan what's what's helped the biden administration is that the transition from the previous administration the transition itself was done poorly you know everything i've understood is that the previous administration made it really hard for biden's team to really hit the ground running but in matters of the vaccine what we saw was that a plan was put together immediately you know and bright and president biden to his credit job one was to get americans vaccinated job one or one a was to have a plan to combat combat COVID-19. And that's what we're seeing play out. You know, at the same time, we're also thinking about some of these other issues. You know, part of the vaccine is is recovery. You know, what we see with the package that's being that has been that's gone through now, Congress, is basically helping helping the United States recover fully, you know, from what we saw last year. And it's a it, I think it came out to like $1.92 trillion. But we're going to have to make a massive investment in rebuilding this country because for the past year, we were crippled economically due to a virus. And and honestly, just from where I stand, a poor response to it at the federal level. At the same time, we're also looking at an inf infrastructure bill, you know, trying to put together a plan to meaningfully address roads and bridges and things that have just been for so long in this country completely neglected. And there are some 
political and economic reasons for that. But this administration reminds me of what we've seen in, in some administrations in the past of recognizing that there are some larger national issues that we've reached a tipping point that we're going to have to do something, you know, most notably um, supporting the, the rollout of the vaccine. So I'm, I'm not here to give grades, honestly. I mean, I, I pay attention to this stuff, but I'm not in a position to, I'm not, you know, you're, I'm, go talk to Doris Kearns Goodwin, I would say, if you want right, to grade on that. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or Professor Eric Foner. Um, but what I would say is I think the things that, at least for me as a citizen, needed to be addressed have been addressed. And there's still some larger issues about Congress, you know, the makeup of it with a very narrow Senate, a very narrow House leaf for Democrats. Um, and there's a lot of political infighting. But President Biden, to his credit, has gotten a lot off the ground. We saw most notably a, re a young representative from Texas, a Republican, actually approaching the president on a on one of these initiatives being put together and offering to want to be a part of it. And that, right. to me, meant a lot. It meant to me that there is an opportunity to see across the aisle some level of camaraderie, some level of, of bipartisanship. Um, and it gave me hope. It was such a small moment, but it, it meant a lot to me to see someone reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, listen, what can what, what can I do? Yeah. Now, I know what moment you're talking about. I think it happened actually after the speech that he just recently gave in front of uh, the joint session. But um, just get some numbers from Biden's one, uh, 100 days in office. He signed 11 bills in law uh that is the fewest amount for any elected president dating back to F fdr obviously the one notable thing is the 1.9 trillion dollar coronavirus relief package that you know president biden signed back in march um there's been 42 executive orders that he has done uh in the first 100 days about nine more than president trump did in 2017 uh, there's been 62 orders reversed, uh, including the recommitting the U.S. to the Paris Climate Agreement, which is something that President Biden campaigned on. Uh, he has a 53 percent job approval rating. Uh, this is a survey that was done by NPR and, and PBS and Marist uh, in conjunction with 538. So um, and obviously you, you see the partisan lines because 93 percent of Democrats approve of the job Joe Biden's doing versus 12 percent of Republicans. Uh, COVID cases are down 73%. Um, there's 140 plus million people that have been vaccinated, meaning at least receiving their their first dose. Um, 11 judicial nominations to the federal bench by President Biden. So the Biden administration is off right now to, like I said, we're, we're not in the grading business, but um, I, I think the one thing is that Biden ran on um, and is something, is a reason why uh, a lot of people voted for him. Um, it's really about unifying that we're all in this together. And I, it goes back to like I, what I just mentioned about the vaccine. I think the pandemic has really proven out, especially post the lockdowns, when everyone started to get frustrated and started to realize, hey, I need to be out. I need to be out. I can't stay at home four weeks. I can't have my kids working. Like that's where everything started to get heightened, exacerbated. And then you throw in the civil unrest the murder of George Floyd, um, all of these things started to, and we had Michael Eric Dyson on explaining a lot of that too, back in December. Um, all of that starts getting exacerbated and the country starts becoming polarized, excuse me. So in the coming weeks, we're going to devote 
uh, a few episodes to kind of look in depth in some of these issues. And I mentioned that the immigration, the immigration crisis at the border, excuse me, and we're going to have Sabrina Rodriguez back on. She's the immigration reporter for Politico and was recently at the border a few months ago covering um, everything that was happening there. And that has been one big thing that has been harped on in the news cycle about uh, the undocumented uh, and the DACA kids and also everything that's going on with migrants at the border. So we're going to talk about that uh, with Sabrina Rodriguez in the coming weeks. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about all of the mass shootings and the gun legislation that is happening in this country. Nick, time for a personal question, my friend. What kind of toothbrush are you using over there? Nothing special. I mean, I brush twice a day, but you know, whatever I get at the pharmacy. Okay. Well, let's change that up because I'm going to introduce you to an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth, my friend. I've heard about electric toothbrushes. Like, you got to tell me more about this because you're a little skeptical. Sounds uh, like you're a little skeptical. skeptical. I mean, I I like my tried and true. Like, take it out the pack. You know, get a little tooth, little toothpaste. Do my thing. Right. This is an electric thing. Tell me about this. Okay. Well, Bruch is a fantastic company. Okay, and they're obviously sponsoring this program, but Bruch. It has powerful sonic technology and ultra gentle bristles, Nick. The brush, it just redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. Look, let me give you an example. You ever go to a dentist and when you leave, you got that fresh whole mouth clean sensation like the whole day? You I love that about? feeling. Yes, yeah. I do. It's fantastic. Now you'll have it every single day with the brush toothbrush. Our listeners right now, folks, you're going to get 15% off your total purchase all you have to do is enter the promo code POD15. So go to our show notes right now, whatever podcast platform you're using. Click on the link that's in there and enter the promo code POD15 at checkout when you buy this fantastic electric toothbrush. Let's upgrade your oral care routine. All right. One other topic that we want to touch on today, uh, and then we're going to get into our new segment, um, which Nick and I are super proud of. But um, something really serious that's been happening over the last um, few months, it looks like, uh, at least now that, you know, states are starting to lift restrictions, and you've noticed it a lot in the news, um, and it's been, you know, guns. Uh, a lot of mass shootings that have happened recently, not only in Austin, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Colorado, um, almost every different state has been affected. I know CNN had a graphic up. Uh, on the different mass shootings. Remember, mass shootings is at least two or three victims uh, in the shooting. But uh, they had a graphic up about how many states have had mass shootings since the beginning of the year. And it's just astronomical what's been happening in this country. Um, There's so many different instances of it. Um, Newsweek recently ran a poll uh, about Americans under 30 have rapidly turned against gun control laws and it found that you know 50% of Americans overall say they view the enacting of new anti-gun violence laws and firearm restrictions like a top legislative priority. But a certain age demo, young Americans under 30, there's like a 20% drop in support for gun legislation. Nick, at the core of gun reform and gun legislation is always this heated debate that turns political, right? The Republicans will say they're coming to take your guns and the Democrats will say, we're not coming to take anybody's guns. We just don't want crazy people to have guns. Right. What say you, sir? You, you mean like where I stand on this or like my make of like the polling data and stuff? I mean, all of it. Sure. Like, we're, like, I mean, you talked about it before yeah. about how it seems to be an epidemic in this country. 
it, it doesn't seem it is. You know, we we lead the world in um, in mass shootings, gun related deaths, um, almost annually. You know, it's it's becoming sadly it's becoming up there with baseball and jazz as as some of the greatest exports that this country's produced. Um, greatest, obviously, you know, not the term I'm trying not, not the yeah, point I'm trying to not, make here, but not that connotation. But it's, <laughs> right, it's, right, what, right. it's what we're sadly it's what we're known for. You yeah. know, the rest of the world views our problem with mass shootings as stunning. You know, there is a there is certainly a crisis in this country. Um, you know, there is an argument to be made about what it is about having a weapon how people have access to a weapon that makes these things just mind-boggling you know an example i go back to um is the is the shooting in in las vegas a couple of years ago you know here you have a country music concert or you know a country music concert and someone out of a hotel window just starts shooting at people and what we do now is we basically take that convert take that event and we break it into a couple of categories on one side is the, why does this person have access to this weapon? And that's a great question. Like, what does it take to get access to mili- military-grade artillery? And that's that's a, an important conversation to have. At the same time, you ask yourself, what is going on in someone that having access to a weapon, they equate that to, well, I'm going to go harm people. You know, I've I've known people that have access to that have access to guns. Um, and you're not see you don't always see that. It's not a, it's not a direct correlation. If you have access to a weapon, I'll use myself for example, and I don't, you know, we don't have guns in our home. But if we did, I'd like to think we were responsible enough people to make sure that under no circumstances will there be an accidental shooting. Although statistics will tell you that, you know, that oftentimes what happens when you have guns in the home. But I'd like to think of myself as sound mind that I don't see myself going into a public place with access to a weapon and being prompted to, you know, mentally be okay with harming other people for no sensible, re- for no reason at all. Um, so I do wonder about access. I do wonder too, what is it culturally in this country that, that promotes, doesn't promote, but that something is going on that people behave in that way with access to, to weapons. So I, I kind of fall in this middle ground where I'm willing to hear the argument on both sides. Um, personally, I don't think, I have a pretty long list. If you're going to have access to military-grade weaponry, a pretty long list of what I would consider qualifications for you, everything from being tested you know, psychologically to getting testimonials from people to act asking you to deliver military service. If it means this much to you to have an AR-15, then I expect you to be out on the field for a couple of years combat trained. Um, because if we're going to find that we're going to find out real quick, whether you deserve to have access to a firearm, because if you are not going to survive in the military in terms of like, you know, being qualified to continue active service, then you have no business as a civilian having access to these kinds of weapons. There's a discussion to be had about how, you know, as 50 states operate, that it's easier to have access to a gun than it is to register your vehicle. That it's easier to have access to a gun than registering your kid for school. You know, we're talking about we're talking about tools that are designed to harm people. At the end of the day, there's no other reason why you have access to a gun. It's to defend yourself through harming others, right? Or that you intentionally want to harm others with no thought of defense whatsoever. So, 
you ask yourself why, but then you also have to ask yourself in the rest of the world, what are the other things in place to make sure these types of tragedies are, are greatly reduced? And in this country, we, for political reasons, are not set up that way. We don't view guns as a, as a national problem. I mean, some of us do, but we don't have anything in place. You mentioned before the number of executive orders that President Biden has put forward, which right. is more than the previous administration. And what may very likely happen is there may be the beginnings of exploring executive actions to deal with the gun crisis. And personally, I don't, I'd like to not be in a place where you need executive actions. I'd like to be in a place where states make sensible gun laws, you know, to ensure that people don't have access to a certain level of artillery that honestly, unless you're on a battlefield, you have no business carrying at home. That's a lengthy but, answer to your question, but it's kind of where I stand on that. No, I mean, you said a lot of good stuff in there. I want to I want to interject, um, obviously, some statistical data, some statements from from leaders. Um, you know, President Biden recently saying gun violence in this country is an epidemic and a national embarrassment. Like you mentioned, there's so many other countries that don't have these same issues with respect to mass shootings. Now, mass shootings account for about 0.2% of gun deaths that are in this country. Okay, so nearly 40,000 Americans die each year from gun violence. About two thirds of those deaths typically come by suicide, believe it or not. Homicide accounts about 35% of gun deaths. But, um, you know, an estimated 11,000 people have died in firearm related incidents, uh, despite the pandemic continuing to restrict public activity. So I wanted to give some perspective around some of the statistical data. And, you know, there's been, there's different coalitions now, you know, to stop the coalition to stop gun violence. And everyone has talked about, you know, there has to be legislation. Uh, you just mentioned this about the states, right? We had, when we had Ellie Honig on and we talked about the different states and how they operate from a prosecutorial lens, especially the Derek Chauvin case versus the Atlanta case versus the Colorado case, right? You, you have, three different states that have three different laws and how uh, offenders are charged. So it's, and it's very different in all those states in terms of being able to purchase a gun, uh, being able to open carry, show your permit, things like that. So until we have something unified um, that, that each state will implement, we're going to continue to run into a lot of these things. And then you talked about the partisan angle, right? There's been two bills to strengthen background checks on gun purchases, right? That have been passed both through the house of representatives on a bipartisan, excuse me, no, on a partisan level, because the Democrats have control of the House. And of course, like you mentioned, they appear to lack the adequate support in the Senate from the Republicans. And then you have Joe Manchin, who's teetering, who lives in a state in West Virginia where guns are a part of the culture. We talked about that with Jessica Coggins about Texas and how guns are like a part of the culture. And I, I, I just think it's such a tough conversation, but I'm with you on the, I don't, I can understand why people go hunting and shooting tons of people in my Florida family that do that. I don't understand the need for you to carry or at least own nine AR-15s and a couple handguns and you're starting your own militia. Like, I don't understand that aspect of it. Um, so somebody's going to explain that to me because you'll never be able to get me to say, yeah, you know what? You should have nine AR-15s because no reasonable person, regardless of that person's mental health, is going to, you know, you, you trust anybody with nine AR-15s that has no military experience? As also, as, that's my point. Right, my point exactly. Is you're, you're talking about using military-grade weaponry in your home. And at the end of the day, the argument falls flat on, well, this is just my property, this is me. Like, if these things get out of your home, they're going to cause damage. And I use the example of what we saw in Columbine. 
you know, we had two in, in a high school shooting. And I mean, folks, just to date myself a little bit, that happened in 1999, right? We're, we're 22 years removed from that. And, you know, we always go back to, you know, this, this reality of, you know, just two young men having access to weapons and being able to just bring them into a school and cause mayhem and, and result in the deaths of many. Yeah. And so anyone having access to a, a weapon, and this brings up something else I also wonder too about from a technology standpoint, what, what are we doing about trying to make it that if you're the person who buys said weapon, you know, if someone else has access to it, that they may not be able to, to fire it. I mean, you can't access my cell phone unless you know my identification or right. my fingerprint. And the technology exists. We're not doing that for weapons. That makes no sense to me. You know what's and what's funny too. Um, you could check out this great podcast, Death at the Wing, about seventies um, and eighties players that have died at the hands of not only guns but drugs and things like that. But one of the things they mentioned about one of the players that actually committed suicide, um, Ricky Barry, a former Indiana Pacer and Sacramento King guard, um, the NRA. And I never knew this, and I don't know if you knew this, Nick. You know, the NRA used to support gun control. They had a drastic shift in the late 60s after the assassinations of, of both Kennedy brothers. Um, and so they started shifting towards, you know, not supporting gun control and actually, you know, became this almost too big to fail platform for people that guns were the only way out and that no one's going to take my gun. So I just thought that that was fascinating because we know how much power that lobby yields and I just don't understand why we can't have, you know, this sensible conversation, especially when the data shows, you know, at least polling data that about 80% of Americans support expanded background checks on gun buyers. So it's a good starting point for lawmakers. If you're trying to search for middle ground, all this polling data that's available out there of people actually supporting it. But somehow we get back into this cultural war of you're trying to take my gun. I don't want you to take my gun. No, I'm not trying to take your gun. I'm trying to take the person that shouldn't have one that is that is mentally unfit to have one uh, from having one. And, you know, you know, we had Jeff Perlman on the program talking about that he wants to be a gun zealot for a year and just kind of get into <laughs> why people yeah. want to own guns. I mean, I would read that book tomorrow, man, because I just think it's I, I, I don't understand um especially given all the recent news of of what has happened with Colorado with Atlanta with we have all these different outliers but they add up in totality to speak of that we have an issue here where the access to guns and especially at gun shows um, people can easily access a gun easier than other things like you mentioned registering to vote registering your car finding a school for your kids try try to find a school for your kids in new york city as well which i'm going through right now with a two-year-old who's about three you know maybe two to three years away from actually going to school it would be easier to get a gun right now than to do all that process so that to me is very backwards um and you're right about it like it's 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 a conversation that maybe we will devote you know an episode to somebody uh, f maybe from the uh, as specific specifically from the political community that can talk about some legislation that's either happening at a local or state level that can be emulated because there's a lot to the conversation and there's we're seeing so many different examples in the news especially in the headlines and all we get is the same thing you know the thoughts and prayers stuff and that is not what's going to help the situation or the people that are going through it. Yeah, I'm done with thoughts and prayers. I just yeah. policy and action at this point. And oftentimes the people who lead with the thoughts and prayers are the same people that refuse to deal with you mentioned before about polling data. 
let's be clear on something. Majority of Americans want some form of gun control. There's been a reduction in that, but still, it still ends up being the majority of Americans. But unfortunately, the way our the way our government is set up at a federal level, it's not designed to embrace the majority. I mean, it's why you have an electoral college. It's right. why you have states with a smaller population like Montana that has equal representation in the Senate as, say, the state of New York. That makes a challenging situation when the majority wants one thing, but you have it set up so that a small state like West Virginia, you know, suddenly Senator Manchin carries a lot more weight than someone should from West Virginia, to be perfectly honest. And that's what causes a standstill. And the only way it's going to change is you're going to have to have either, you know, either party being able to win over more voters. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to introduce our new segment in the show that Nick and I are super proud of called Read the Room. You're going to find out all about that in just a second. Quick word from today's sponsor, Nick, of the pod, and that is Fulton. Uh, they're a modern brand of arch support Nick, you're going to tell me all about insoles and support. So hit me with it. What do I need to know about I'm, insoles and support? First and foremost, man, your feet are important. You know, you are standing on your feet all day. Even if you're walking around the house, as we all do, working from home, yeah. I'm always in the pursuit of comfortable shoes, or at the very least, insoles to help my feet out. Art yeah. support is important. You know, I've had plantar fasciitis in the past. So anything I can do to get my feet to feel comfortable, I'm all in. So what? I mean, you, you tell me about an insult. I'm already listening. I'm already getting ready to put the promo code in. So do your magic, Mike. You got to tell me more about this. Well, I mean, first off, I didn't know you were training for the NFL draft where you there got plantar is. fasciitis over there. What's wow. going on over there? Wow, man. Yeah, I mean, you're the one hurting with the foot stuff. Well, listen, folks. <laughs> Fulton has launched the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable insole on the planet. Okay, I believe him, even though the copy tells me it, but I still believe him because Fulton believes wellness starts from the ground up and that the feet are the foundation of our bodies. Nick just mentioned it. It is true. You know, I, it's funny that you said that because I like to stand. I have a standing desk. I love standing at the countertop. My wife knows this all the time. She's like, why don't you sit down? And it's it's true. Your feet are relations of your body. Fulton installs. They offer, they offer comfortable arch support to align your body from head to toe, mitigating pain, providing comfort, and improving posture. Nick, this is this is great for you. I think this is right up your alley, this Fulton stuff. You, you got to check Absolutely. this stuff out. So Fulton, Fulton is creating a world where the shoes we wear are actually good for our bodies, providing you with a sturdier foundation for a healthier foot. Oh, my God, for a healthier future. We're going to keep that in there, though, folks. Future feet, F words. You got this. Yeah, seriously, there's way too much alliteration going on here. So Fulton is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase. All you got to do is go to walkfulton.com, walkfulton.com. You hit the promo code podcast10, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, 10. For those of you that can't spell, I mean, come on, you got to know that podcast 10. It's not that hard. You get $10 off at walk, walkfulton.com if I could get it out properly. Check out the website and see how Fulton can support you. Nick, you heading over there right now? I'm right now. I'm about to save myself a Hamilton, baby. Let's go. There we go. All right. So we have a new segment that we're introducing to the show today. And Nick and I are super proud of this because Nick is ready to go. He's like a bull in a china shop. I got to rein him in, folks. It's a new segment we like to call Read the Room. Read the Room, fucko. So listen. Um, our first person that's going to be up on this read the room, he's the only person for today, is somebody who has one of the biggest syndicated uh, podcasts out there. You can check out his podcast on Spotify. Um, and that is none other than Joe Rogan. 
Joe Rogan recently made some comments in relation to the vaccine. So let's play those comments that he made recently. If you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, and like, I don't think you need to worry about this. And then, you know, in fairness to Joe, because on another episode, post um, all the heat he was getting for those comments, um, he issued a, a clarification on the comments, but we still want him to read the room. Take a listen to the clarification on the comments. I mean, there's some legitimate science behind this. It's yeah. not, this is like the thing about this whole thing, this uh, people being upset at me. I didn't say, I'm not, I'm not an anti-vax person. Right. In fact, I said, I believe they're safe and I encourage many people to take them. My parents were vaccinated. I just said, I don't think that if you're a young, healthy person that you need it. Their argument was you need it for other people. So you don't transmit the virus. That makes more sense. So here's my thing, Nick. Um, Joe Rogan's not reading the room. And we just talked about this at the beginning of the episode. Um, no that I'm not shocked that people are hesitating to take the vaccine. I have encountered numerous people, not only in the South, but here in the North as well, um, that just, I'm, and I've gotten that same argument. I'm young, I'm healthy, I don't need to take it. My problem with Joe Rogan is, is that you have a nationally syndicated platform. You know that words matter, just like we know that words matter. Now, our words matter a little bit differently because you and I both are employed by two different places, right? So we know what we put out there in the universe. Um, we could, we have to adhere, unfortunately, to those those standards and policies that are set by our company. You know, like we mentioned before, we could make this the America's First podcast, and all of a sudden, you and I would would be out of a job potentially, potentially. But well, we'd be uh, paid through the yeah. right. We'd be right, we'd be paid through our new podcast platform. That, that right. But it, but disingenuous, right? So Joe Rogan, yeah. right, has built himself up, right, from stand up comedian that was doing okay, Fear Factor host and the MMA stuff. And now all of a sudden, don't forget news radio. Don't do that. I'm not going to forget it. And then this burgeoning podcast, right, that started to take off and, and he, be, you know, started his own, uh, you know, deals on Spotify. And he has such a national following and audience that the, the argument is, why would you tell people you know how many people under 30, his analytics team has all these demos that they're hitting. Why would you tell people under 30 to not get vaccinated? You're, you're contributing to part of the problem. Now, he touched about it. Their argument is this is about protecting somebody else. What did we just talk about in the beginning? Nobody cares about anybody else, right? Nobody cares about each other. So are we shocked that Joe Rogan would say something like that to a national audience and then it and then it elicit the type of response. I just don't understand, you know, his comments afterwards were, well, I'm not a doctor. People shouldn't be listening to me. Th that is a ridiculous argument. You set him with a microphone in your hand, my friend. Like, so you know who it's going out to, right? You know who's going to be listening to that show. You have all the numbers and the age demos, just like we do of where our listeners age out. So you know you have a responsibility to that audience to be factual and correct. And and look, I'm not opposed to his show, right? What I'm saying is, is like, you cannot have that type of flat platform and then do that and tell people of a certain age demo, 
hey, you don't, you, you, you shouldn't get vaccinated. What, there, there's no reason for you. You're a healthy person. I know you've got tons of thoughts on this, Nick. So tell me what you thought of the comments when you first heard them and then that, that semi-retraction that he gave. You know, I, I, I'm listening to someone who's not, who's not a medical professional. You know, and I and I think I'll, I'll save you all <laughs> a larger conversation about anti-intellectualism and, and questioning of elites in this country that's been in place for for many years now. But you know, so when I listen to Joe Rogan, I'm listening to a an entertaining figure again, former stand-up comedian, actor, uh, host. You know, honestly, shout out to him for helping to push the MMA to the mainstream place it is now. Um, but he's not a doctor and he's not well-versed in the medical community to say anything like that. So when I first heard it, similar to you, I, there was a there was a read the room sense to me. Read the room, fucko. You know, it's funny, as that came out, I've also been thinking a lot about Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, who's been talking now about having to use a, not a, not a ventilator, obviously, but um, an inhaler you know, prior to games. You know, and other NBA players who've come back and have talked about injuries stemming from COVID-19. We think about what happened in the NFL with Cam Newton, you know, and just his recovery from from COVID-19 was very clear about the difference in his style of play. So much so that the Patriots took Mac Jones to the 15th pick of the draft. But you know, my point, though, is that you're seeing young. And by the way, <laughs> you know, Jason Tatum ain't 30 yet. No. Um, you have these professional athletes and you know, Rogan made that comment of like about working out and all that stuff. You know, I heard the same nonsense from that Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor green who put these stupid videos up there about working out and saying, this is the way I stop COVID. Like young people aren't dying from this. If I told you in isolation that there's something out there that's resulted in the deaths of almost 600,000 people and a way to greatly reduce you getting it, would be to get an inject to be to get a vaccine of it. What sane person steps back and says, "Well, I'm young enough, not going to happen to me." That, that's it, that's a horrible reasoning. It's like saying, "Well, you know, polio. Eh, I don't really. I'm not really. But, I'm, but I'm Nick, not that vaccine. But what? Nick, it, it's happening. That's the it problem. Is happening. Yes. You know, and and we've had conversations, my wife and I, with people. You know, my wife skews younger. Uh, she is younger, and her friends are younger. Some that are not even uh, of thirty. And if it's it's been similar responses of, I don't have it, and if I get it and I die, well, it was my time. But here's something that can help prevent that. Still, no no response of of getting it. So what I'm mad at is, and why Joe Rogan should read the room, fucko. Is because he, you know, you have to understand that nationally, everyone's listening to the show from all ages, all walks of life. You know, under thirty people, especially, he's probably skewing really high. I'm sure Spotify was not thrilled with those comments, but also, why make them? Why dive headfirst into a concrete slap? Like, why do that? Because you know the way that's going to elicit a response from people in the medical community. I think he had Fauci on too as well. Um, to, and they, and if, or at least Fauci reached out to him or said something in a presser. And it, it was very like, hey man, you're not helping the situation. You're not- Read the room, fucko. Because if you don't, if you just read the room and understand that we're all trying to get, we're all in this together. If we can just start with that basic concept, we're all in this together. If we all get vaccinated and we develop herd immunity, like has been talked about by some of these doctors, 
we're going to get out of this. But if you, if here's somebody with millions of followers and listeners, and we, what do we try to do when we, when we push something out, right? Five to 10% engagement. So you take five to 10% of his audience are going to take that, you know, verbatim and say, Hey, this guy told me I don't have to do it. I listen to him every day. He has factual people on to tell him stuff. And so that's, that was my big problem with it. Now I want to say something. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this in a sentence. In fairness to Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, it's not really in fairness to her. It's more in fairness to people that have pointed out the best way to defeat this virus is to have a healthy immune system. The way you do that is to exercise, stop eating bad foods. I agree with all of that. I think public health has not been talked about enough during this pandemic of, you know, being healthy and exercising and, and, you know, just eating better, stop eating fried foods, things like that. And especially in, you know, black and brown communities, you know, trans fats and, and foods like that, that are high in that, um, and that are more accessible because why, you know, lower wages are earned in those communities. So they have to eat that stuff. You have to go with healthier options. So I don't, I think we don't talk about that enough and we're going to devote an episode to things like that when we have Chad Sanders coming on. But, um, we need to talk about those are systemic issues, but we should be promoting, Hey, you should get the healthier option at these places as healthy as you can at some of these places like the fast food chains, you should be eating healthier. You should exercise like Michelle Obama's campaign, right? The, and the play 60 with the NFL, like you should get in 60 minutes of exercise time, walking, things like that. And a healthy immune system that you'll develop will help, but go get vaccinated. This is not a hard concept. Yeah, Go the, get vaccinated. The, okay. So my counter to your point about, you know, the notorious MTG is that, you know, when, if, if the former first lady had come forward and had said, we should be eating healthy, like every Republic, like most Republicans, the argument is, Hey, stay at, stay out of my lunchroom. Don't tell my kids what to eat. Right. Do, freedom, freedom, freedom. Like it's that, it's that nonsense. So, right. It, it's a politically slanted point, you know, and where I get really challenged with Republicans, at least, you know, in the 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 really rabid far right folks is this this really open embrace to anti-science. So when someone like Congresswoman Green comes forward and, you know, does these ridiculous pull-ups and stuff and says, hey, listen, CrossFit, you don't need all that. You're being a moron. I under, I agree that you do a healthy lifestyle is going to play a role in the reduction of the likelihood of you getting COVID-19, but at the same time, it's still out there. It's something we still have to account for. And, and Mike, you brought up a really good point at, you know, earlier in the show about what does it mean to be as a member of a community? Mm-hmm. My vaccine is, a, is not just done for myself, my family, but it's me. It's my contribution to the larger good. It's my contribution to bring us one human closer to herd immunity. To make the argument of Joe Rogan, who, to his credit, did step it back when I think right information came in and, you know, right-minded people are like, what the hell are you doing? Is the same thing I would offer to Congresswoman Green about, you got to read the room. <laughs> this, And I just made the point about NBA players. You tell me a group of people who are in better physical condition than, than players, young players in the NBA or the NFL for that matter. It didn't stop them. As soon as I saw her do those pull-ups and put up that idiotic post about my way of stopping, you know, COVID-19, right. I immediately thought about Cam Newton. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And that guy is, you know, fighting off tacklers. This idiot's on a, doing a pull-up. Right. It's, she's, she's the 1A for today's uh, segment of... Read the room, fucko. And so, but it's funny because, 
you know, I, 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 and I, it's not really like an in fairness to her. It's like both things can be true, right? A healthier lifestyle, but some people were already at a point where, hey, I have pre-existing conditions. I'm already overweight. I have this. In order to develop that healthier lifestyle, that takes time. The vaccine will help you and protect you against things. I think people just don't understand this. It's like uh, if you go outside and it's raining, but you have an umbrella, umbrellas don't cover the entire surface. You're still going to get wet at your feet and your shoes, but it provides maximum protection as maximum as possible. Right. So so take your freaking umbrella with you. Go get vaccinated. I think it's simple things like that. Um, And so. Joe Rogan was our first uh, instance here, and this is a segment that will be recurring on our Patreon page. So thank you for checking out the segment called Read the Room, fucko. So on our Patreon page, we're going to have a bunch of these takes and some more Read the Room, uh, a few more that Nick and I have in store. Head to Patreon now, type in Can We Please Talk Podcast, and you can find all of that extra content, bonus clips from our episodes. You can get show merchandise. Hit us up for a fan-related topic that we'll do on the show and on our Patreon page as well. And we'll give some fan shout-outs as well if you sign up over at Patreon. For the price of a cup of coffee and a bagel, Nick, you cannot beat that. That's a New York... By the way, New York coffee and bagel from the from the street trucks, okay? Not from... In, or inside a deli, too. It's pretty inexpensive in there. You might well slow that down a little bit these days, but... Right, yeah, but right. Like in the classic blue cup with like the... You know, Correct. The Greek lettering and the people hold up the stand, the pillars and whatnot. Yeah. Correct. Like... Cup of coffee? You right. Like when Benson and Stabler are walking around with their cup of coffee around the there crime scene on SVU, there you go. There so, Shout out to Richard Belzer. That's right. For our, for our audience, we thank you so much for listening across whatever podcast platforms that you have. If you want to watch all the videos from all of our interviews, head to our YouTube page. Uh, Nick is smashing that subscribe button as always. We thank everybody for the listeners, the watchers, however you consume our content. You want to continue the conversation for episodes that we'll be doing like this in the up in the upcoming weeks and conversations that we'll have with different people from all walks of life. Hit us up. Can we please talk podcast at yahoo.com. Follow us on social at can we please talk podcast on IG and TikTok and at can we please talk on Twitter. Uh, as always, I'm Mike Leon and grateful for anyone who listens to our show, whether you agree with us or disagree with us. I'm Nick Saveri. That's the point, folks. We want you to take away something and continue those conversations in your homes. Thank you so much for watching, listening. We'll see you next time. We out here. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.